This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I'm sitting with Mike Young, who is running for council. Thank you for joining me today, Mike, in your lovely home. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. You're running for council. You have one of many running for council. 22 of us at last count. Yes, and it doesn't seem like anyone's fading away just yet. Not yet, but uh, I think most of us are in for the long run. I think so, and uh, it takes some some very dedicated people to do so. But what makes you stand out from the other 22 candidates? What makes you prime for the one of six seats available? Well, I have lived in Squamish for the past 18 years, and I live here with my wife and two young children. I am a small business owner and very active in the community. I'm the vice president of the Downtown Business Improvement Association and have been a board member with Sea to Sky Community Services for the last six years. I'm also involved in coaching minor ball. I coach my daughter and my son, and I also manage a Squamish youth soccer team and a Squamish minor hockey team. As well as I've been a big brother mentor, in-school mentor for the past 11 years with Big Brothers Big Sisters. I've got a tremendous amount of governance experience, both on the various boards that I have been a part of in my business life. And for the past 13 years, I've worked with strata councils and strata corporations to help govern their communities. Uh, Like local governments, strata corporations are governed by legislation and bylaws that reflect the strata community's values. What's your small business? Uh, I have a property management company, Dynamic Property Management here in town. Oh, very cool. So So we uh, manage strata corporations and rental properties. And uh, you're actually, you're going against your, your president of the BIA, aren't you? We are, Edward and I. They're head to head. Maybe we'll surf together. <laughs> well, that's, Hopefully. That's, so first question then, if you're working in the, in the development of the property where, I asked this question to Edward, so don't feel like I'm, I'm coming after you about this, but if you're working in the real estate property development sort of field, do you feel that there possibly would be a conflict of interest or it, would you dispel any conflict of interest issues people might bring up? Most of our contracts, we are signed after the buildings have been developed and constructed. We get contracts from other management companies that uh, no longer have the same relationship. Our rental management are from homeowners that live within either single family homes or strata corporations that we manage. uh, And we manage those uh, after as well. So as it's going through the development process, and sitting in and being presented to council, we're not typically involved in those developments at that time. Okay, so let's talk about developments. Let's talk about how fast we've been developing and and the OCP. Where do you think we stand with the OCP and development? Should we be scaling back a little bit? Should we sort of maintain the speed that we're at? We're looking at a very complex issue now. We're running out of space where we've had some commercial properties switched over to residential. There's a lot of talk about diversifying the economy about bringing business into town and doing a lot of things. So it's a very complicated, very chicken and egg type of situation. And you working on the development side, do you think we've been growing too fast or do you think we should be switching things around a little bit? I think we need to definitely slow down. Uh, We have 6,500 units in the pipeline right now. Uh, That's plenty for future growth and expansion. The OCP is a document that was just completed in the spring after... 18 plus months of community engagement and I think that we need to respect that document. Uh, There has been some recent changes to the OCP and I feel that it should have waited until the ink dried on the document. With regards to employment lands, I think we need to refrain from rezoning employment lands to provide additional housing. We talk about creating another economy. 
our own economy rather than commuting to Vancouver or Whistler, and we need those lands in order to house that economy. When we're talking about developments and we have lots in the pipeline, which is mostly downtown, how would you see helping out with the, the movement through? Because you have one way in, one way out. You're going to densify down with like five, six floor buildings. Jumar is an example of what a ball net can be. Uh, I do know when the waterfront's done, they're going to build a bridge in there. But until then, there's got to be ways of sort of alleviating the traffic in there. That is a very difficult question to answer because we definitely need a second uh, access point to downtown. We Right now, we just have Cleveland Avenue and at any time of day trying to turn left or right, actually, at Cleveland and Highway 99 is a really difficult you challenge. you got to wait an extra couple of lights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> add, in, add in 100 units at Jumar. It's going to even back it up even further, not to mention the property that's going in across from House Sound Inn, the Solterra development, and the other ones that are currently under construction, the three rental buildings along Loggers Lane. Uh, so we need to find another route in and out of the downtown. Uh, hopefully, development happening on Waterfront Landing. I think they've changed their name, but Waterfront Landing. They will have a pedestrian footbridge that crosses over at Victoria, mm-hmm. which will uh, connect those two communities. And hopefully, we can look at an alternative route in and out. But the idea of basically making Cleveland one way after uh, um, Cleveland one way downtown and one way the other way, like Loggers Lane on the yeah. way out. Uh, parkades, are those anything on your radar? Or? All the developments that are going in right now, they're not requiring more than one parking stall per unit, and some of them are two and three bedroom units, so all of these people will have a second car. Uh, if they don't, I think we're kidding ourselves. So right. we need to find a place to park those vehicles. Some of the strata corporations that we manage downtown, those also come with one parking stall, so you see people parked all along 2nd Avenue, 3rd Avenue, um, the businesses that are along Cleveland Avenue, those employees are using those parking stalls for for their parking. Um, the bylaws aren't enforced, so we need to enforce the bylaws. But I, I think the future that, is a parkade. But there's a circular. That's the thing, though. Like you, you enforce, and then people get mad you're enforcing, and then yeah. you don't enforce. People get mad that you're not enforcing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a lack of space, right? So yes, a parkade would be great, but where would you stick it? I mean, we're so limited in lands. I mean, you need a new municipal hall. Uh, do we move municipal hall out somewhere else and then put a parkade there? I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, it's a little bit of jigsaw puzzle of how to make everything fit. Well, we have that, that lot next to the Copper Coil, so we could build on that, as well as Municipal Hall is in desperate need of, of a new building. So we are looking at options for Brennan Park, and we yeah. could move Muni Hall there, and perhaps even the library, and we'll have that all, all that land for future growth and development and even uh, parkade. Well, that library is almost done. It's almost, it's almost paid off. I don't yeah. know if we want to do anything with that library just no. that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Sell it. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Kidding. No, it, yeah, because the downtown, because there's a lot of issues happening downtown, and it's, we'll go back to basically making, creating a new economy. Um, a lot of candidates have talked about, you know, growing from within, because there's a lot of companies here that just, desperately need to grow so instead of going out and reaching out for new companies to come in we need to give space to the people who are already here so they can flourish a lot of the businesses that are here already are struggling in terms of either they don't have space or they're downtown and their property taxes are way too crazy with the bc assessment because you know they're on lands that could be five or six stories so therefore they're being taxed as such so some people have seen their taxes go from ten thousand to sixteen thousand dollars a year how would you like with your skills of negotiating with like tiered governments and stratas and so forth, how would you be able to help alleviate some of that burden of taxation? Burden of taxation. Um, we could look at taxing based on actual use rather than future use. Don't tax it on a six-story 
uh, mixed-use residential building, uh, tax it on for what it actually is. But by doing so, we also affect the residential tax base. Right. And I don't think there's a lot of room to increase residential taxes. So we should focus on uh, increasing our tax base, coming to a, an agreement with the LNG proposal that is moving forward. Uh, whether we like it or not, it is moving forward. Oh, you're um, just you're just ahead of me with all my questions. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, as well as uh, Garibaldi Swamish. Yep. Eventually that'll come into play and we'll have a new tax base from there. All right. Now, now you're jumping ahead, but let's, let's slow down a little bit here. You're Russian just like today's council. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're supposed to slow. Slow down. Yeah. Slow it down. Right. Because when it comes down to assessment, the thing is, if you try and assess for what people use, whatever tax, whatever tax levy you use or whatever tax um, alleviation plan that you use for the guys downtown, you sort of have to, you do it for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're helping the little guy downtown, you're also helping a Walmart, you're also helping the Home Depot and the big corps. And that's not necessarily what you want to do. Right. So it's, it's the question is finding that minutia of bylawism or, or I don't know, like that this is where a solution needs to be found. Uh, absolutely. I suppose the tax that the owners get charged just get passed on to the small business owners as well. And, right. and a lot of the... And then it gets passed down to you and, and then you don't shop there anymore. Exactly. So yeah. we do need to address it. We have a tremendous staff in the district and we can look for a solution in order to, to help with that. Yeah, I think I think that's the way to go. And now, let's, let's great. we need to bring in money. So let's get to where you were alluding to before with the LNG. Uh, LNG is coming. I think we can't say no to LNG at this point. We cannot. And um, I don't think we could have in the first place. That would be very contentious saying something like that about four years ago. It would have, yes. What do we need to do? Because I understand, you know, we haven't been at the table for the last four years with any sort of negotiation. Do you think because we haven't been there since the beginning, that sort of doesn't give us much leverage? Or I think that the previous council made a mistake by not engaging them earlier in the process. I know that uh, a lot of the people on council currently ran on a platform of anti-LNG and likely got elected for that alone. They do have other skills, so I don't mean to diminish that, but LNG was the hot topic of the day back in uh, 2014. Um, I think we need to, as a new council, sit down, uh, engage with them, and come up with a solution that works for everybody involved. We don't need to go in there and win. We just need to sit down and make sure everybody's happy and get as much as we can for our local economy. Um, it's going to create jobs, uh, both locally for the administrative services. If they decide to use Squamish, I believe there's over 100 jobs potential over there. And everybody's talking about uh, economic development and growth and local jobs, and that site will offer that for us. In terms of negotiation, I mean, we... we um they're talking about sticking an office in, in Britannia Beach, and when well, of course we want them to be in Squamish. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole uh, issue about Daryl Bay. Right. So I mean, uh, I've heard a lot of councilors say we need to stand firm that Daryl Bay is going to be shared use, uh, but they also want an office in Squamish. But then they also want the six to ten million instead of the three that's offered. It gets kind of dicey in terms of negotiation. Like where where do you let go first? You know, with negotiation, you give some and you take some, and you work together and come up with a solution that's fair for everybody. I think that the idea of going in there and getting everything that you want and the other person leaving with the tail between their legs isn't going to work. It's not going to work for this development or uh, the development that may or may not happen likely will happen to the north of town. I think if we work together, uh, we could come up with a solution that'll work for everybody. And, and we need that tax base in our community. Can't live without it. Yeah, I mean, we have about 100 million, or it's the number being thrown around. Uh, Susan Chappelle said 200 million. If you look at 
basically retrofitting all of Brennan Park. And we have the uh, the solid waste management. The, the dump has been screaming for extensions forever. Um, I mean, yeah, we need that, that amenity money. As soon as that money starts coming in, though, where, where do you think we should be focusing on first? Uh, our infrastructure. We need to improve our infrastructure. Right now we're doing water main and water line replacement. We need to focus on improving our recreational facilities at Brennan Park and our infrastructure. There are buildings uh, here in town that are owned by the district that are in desperate need of repair. They've well exceeded their useful life and they need to be replaced. So community hall is one of them. We need to use that money for that. And if we do have a, a large tax coming in from LNG, we can use that money towards that. Yeah, it's not, it's not a snazzy topic, fixed municipal hall, but I've been in that building a few times. It's some spit and polish at the minimum. Yeah, it's looking like an elementary school with the uh, portable outside. True. And yeah, that's another thing about schools. If we're becoming overrun and overfilled, and so is Brennan Park, is becoming a little bit uh, small. But these are all provincial things. Mm-hmm. So to expand on, on say, Brennan Park and, and the schools and such, I mean, is there anything council can do to sort of alleviate some of that pressure currently on provincial land or crown land? Well, we'll have to work with those governments as well, Uh, work with the provincial government to uh, expand our Brennan Park facility and uh, expand the schools as well. A lot of the schools are in pretty rough shape, but that's not under our jurisdiction. Just need to lobby and work with with those levels. A mechanism in place, though, to get those lobbying done, right? Yeah. All right. I'm just hoping so. We were at a PAC meeting and there was one of the parents there was talking about how the portable children and the portable children, how do they feel about children. being the portable children? And the principal smartly said, like, well, first off, we don't call them the portable children. <laughs> They're not the portable children. They're not the portable children. But the Why fact- did my kid get to be a portable child this year? <laughs> what did See, he do? I didn't mind being a portable kid. I liked being a portable yeah. kid. When I, was, when I was growing up, everybody paid, everybody wanted it. Right? But, the, but the fact that we were in Ontario, though, that uh, we didn't have bathrooms inside the portables. Right. So it was like the because. minus 40 just to go for a tinkle. That's not really, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, you held it for recess. You have to find the kids that are frozen <laughs> in, the, in the snow. They didn't make it. <laughs> they didn't, he didn't come back. I don't th- I think the squall got him. Oh, no. <laughs> Speaking of big developers that bring in money into the system, you, you brought up gas or Garibaldi Squamish, or they're changing their name because gas is just one of those acronyms that I don't think they like. And where do you think we stand on a, on a project like that? Do, is it something that Squamish can accommodate or something that we need or? Right now they have their environmental approval. So it looks like that's probably going to proceed as well. They have the support of Squamish Nation. At this time, we can't accommodate it, but they're going to have to put infrastructure in place that will connect to our services that would be at their expense. We talk about jobs as well. Uh, Everybody's talking about jobs and economic development. It's going to create hundreds, if not a thousand construction jobs. And then once the development is finished, we're going to have probably 2,500 to 3,000 jobs there as well. Um, There's additional housing, additional taxation base that'll also support our economy. It looks good on taxation front, but there's there's a few red flags for me, and I, I pose this question to, to everyone. Um, to acquire the land from the SLRD will require some sort of compensation, mm-hmm. whether or if we can afford that or not. Uh, the fact that the SRD or the regional government said they're going to make their life a little, a little bit difficult, the province saying you can't become a, your own resort municipality without making your life difficult. The fact that they want to come to Squamish and join Squamish and, and come and say, look at us as, here's some tax money. Right. Incorporate us. Yeah. Does that sort of wave flags for you too? Or is it there's, there's benefits to joining up with Squamish? Um, I think there would be benefits and there would be uh, disadvantages too, joining up with them. 
Uh, we would have increased traffic on our roadways. We would have more taxation onto our infrastructure system, our water, our, our landfill, and how that would work. I can see how they would like to join Squamish because they won't have to have their own police force or fire department. Um, the infrastructure part is another red flag for me. Uh, the inf- rather, because once they build everything, say 30 or 40 years down the road, when it starts sort of not being so upkept, yeah. what, what happens? You're a strata guy, yeah. you're, you're a property manager guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the money they bring in, wouldn't that be money would have to be re-injected back into it anyway? Right, yeah. Um, I'm not speaking in favor of it. I'm speaking of positives, and there are negatives as well. The infrastructure does fail, and it does need to be replaced. And if we don't plan properly, we will look at the same situation that we have currently with our infrastructure. I haven't seen, probably nobody's seen the ins and outs of the proposal on how all that infrastructure is going to work, and that's going to be a good conversation that we have and and many meetings, but if we work together, we can decide once we have all the information whether or not it's good for Squamish. It's my understanding that we have to have a referendum likely anyways. The people will decide. This should come to the people to vote for the project itself or for taking over the land? I, I think both. I think it's important for the community to have their say. We are... As a council, we're elected to to speak for the community and, and to uh, manage our, our facilities and our infrastructure and our governance uh, for the people. Uh, you can't go into politics or municipal government with your own agendas. And I'm going in to uh, look at the big picture, take in all the information, and, and make a decision that way. So in terms of, of let's go back to industry and tax base. And we talked a little, little bit briefly about uh, bringing in or diversifying the economy a little bit and bringing business in. Right. What kind of companies or businesses would you be looking at sort of attracting to Squamish? Or is that a possibility? Uh, I think in order to uh, entice large industry into Squamish, we're going to have to give up something. And that's usually taxes. And once the tax plans uh, or the tax incentives are no longer in place, these companies move on. So would I love to get a Google or an Amazon here? Absolutely. But I don't think that's uh, a possibility unless we give up something. And by giving we're, up... We're not really in a position to do that, though, are we? Absolutely not. I was, I was kidding. <laughs> Google and Amazon are not coming I'm not to talking about such a grand scale. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about like any, any sort of medium-sized rec tech company or so that they want some sort of benefit. I mean, we can't really say... Yeah, all right, you know what? We can give you any sort of tax break, even regardless of, I'm not talking about the course of that kind of grand scale. I mean, if you're bringing in an Amazon, you're going to have to pay them. But, yeah. but um, I'm talking about like a, a medium-sized company that has about you know, 20, 30, 40 employees and they, they're looking for a deal. Um, it's one of those things where, where it's nice here mm-hmm. and that's pretty much all you're going to get. Yeah, it is, it is nice here. It's beautiful here. Uh, we could look at processes and we do have some processes in place and policy to fast-track commercial uh, applications and business applications in the planning department. That's an incentive. We need to create uh, affordable housing, make it a more affordable place to live here in Squamish. And uh, other than that, uh, look around. It's a beautiful it, place to live, but we, we can't sell the farm in order to, to bring in business. Yeah, because now we're stuck in that cash 22. You bring in business, you need to do more housing. Uh, and then we have not enough housing space. And then we have not enough business space. So it's about managing the property appropriately. Right. And then you also need affordable housing. So how do you how do you do that management? Where, what what's the priority? Do we manage first? We do have a, ha- a housing uh, problem here in Squamish right now with affordability, and and that's the same with the Lower Mainland and probably right across Canada. Uh, we need to solve that issue um, by creating more units, um, some purpose built rentals. We do have some great policies in place to require 
development put aside rental units and affordable rental units within their development, but I would prefer to see more of a housing authority type structure rather than just giving units in $800,000 townhouse developments for rentals. We look at uh, building our own um, product. Is there a market for that though? Because market dictates everything. If the market dictated we would have uh, actual rental units, they would be building it by now. Well, they are building it along uh, Loggers Lane. Uh, There is one purpose-built rental there now, and there's two more buildings that are going up that are uh, earmarked for rental. Developers now investigating Squamish for purpose-built rental buildings. Now, what, what kind of rentals are we talking about? Are we talking about like like Vancouver-level rentals? Because the like rent in Vancouver is three thousand dollars. That's yeah. not really affordable for the for you know our, our serving community here. Yeah. Well, it's not. These are these are market rentals that are available, but it is a lot of supply and demand. And and if there are 200 rental units available and the price is this, then the price is going to be affected by the market. I'm I'm not sure that the market can absorb the current 150 units that are coming on along Loggers Rain right now. Mm-hmm. It'll take probably several months to build those out, and that'll drive the prices down. And you're talking about uh, what's built in the new developments and the affordable units that are being built. If you look at 30% off market market rate, a uh, townhouse that is going in, an $800,000 townhouse, that rent, people will be trying to get $25,000, $3,000. And that, with on affordable, it would bring it down to $1,900. And that's not affordable either. What about Airbnb or these these uh, the short-term rental stuff? Does that really have a negative impact on the rental market here? Is that a big issue? Uh, or is that is it? Are they really taking up that much space in Squamish? Uh, nightly rentals or Airbnb or HomeAway and those types of rentals do affect the market. We do have um, policy in place right now that allows for the waiver of permit fees uh, for secondary suites and waiver of DCCs and permit fees for uh, carriage homes. Now, I would expect that a lot of those people that are building suites and taking advantage of that program are then turning over and renting their units out on a nightly basis and that does affect the rental market i think if we had to have a policy in place like that we need to put a stipulation in the policy that they have to rent it out on a monthly basis for a certain period of time or, or at least make sure that they're they have the proper business license and so at least yeah. somehow we get the taxes back on that as like if you're operating it like a hotel then you pay your taxes like a hotel yeah there's a there will be a policy that'll be presented to council i believe in january uh, with regards to nightly rentals so i'm looking forward to seeing that um, there was some discussion at the, the meeting that discussed it about implementing a, a tax right away, um, but rather than doing so, council chose to wait until uh, the presentation. I do feel that it does affect the rental market, and if we remove the 500 plus uh, Airbnb listings from the market, it will put that back into housing stock interesting case study in tofino they did the same thing they sort of put lots of restrictions on airbnb and then people just chose not to rent out at all yeah uh, mainly because they they rather do the short term than have a long-term tenant um that's, that's what i'm saying like if you're going to do the short-term stuff then at least register properly as one with the proper business licenses and stuff and then pay your taxes as, as i think you should but it's just a question of enforcement at this point yeah. Yeah, we need, we need to enforce it, and I know that uh, staff at the district are monitoring the nightly rentals that are all available on the market, but I believe that they want to have the policy in place before starting to enforce it. The bylaws right now in the district prohibit nightly rentals. Uh, Strata corporations prohibit nightly rentals, but people still try and do it, and eventually with enforcement and proper uh, policy around it with regards to licensing and taxes, um, I think it would be good to add it to our community. Our, all of our hotels are full. 
So what about uh, short term then? Uh, still, in terms of rental, thing. I mean, long term, we're building these pr- purpose uh, rental buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start curbing down on the AB, Airbnb. But what can we do in the short term to sort of incentivize uh, developers to sort of create some of that space? I know you said it's not necessarily the best thing to do, but yeah. in the interim, wouldn't that work? Sort of giving them incentives or fast track them if you give them some sort of like if you tell them, hey, build some commercial space or build some rental space. Wouldn't that sort of help in the short term or that's not a good idea? No, I think that we need to continue on with the current policy in the short term and have them provide uh, rental units to uh, the district as part of their development proposal. Um, I I would like to see it move to more of a a cash model in the future versus uh, units here and there. But short term, definitely we need to continue along with that. I'm sorry, what do you mean by cash model? Rather than provide units, they provide cash in lieu of. Oh, okay. That would go into a fund and... We can fix things. Pay for no, 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 no. A housing fund to pay for affordable units. Okay, all right, or, or fix the above curb. the parking garage at Old City Hall. So you're in for a parkade where Mini Hall is. Gotcha. No. Um, is there anything like that uh, that I might have not covered, or is there any pet projects of yours that uh, you want to bring to the forefront? That's something you'd like to see Squamish adopt that hasn't been really looked at and. Uh, well, I think everybody's talking about uh, housing and transit, uh, the environment, as always. I think we need to find a way to have a solution to our landfill, either looking at biofuels or some other option in order to uh, treat our growing pile of waste. So, I mean, is there any other green or eco um, initiatives that you think we should take apart from um, possibly what, you know, regulating or fixing what's happening in the landfill? Uh, well, landfill and uh, also look at ways to address our stormwater. We have a lot of runoffs and we are uh, paving uh, paradise right now and, and the additional roadways and, and homes and pathways are, we've got no way to capture that rainwater where typically it would just go into the ground. So I think that we should incorporate more green infrastructure to all of our developments and look at retrofitting a lot of the uh, the district-owned land with green infrastructure. And how are we, like, what, what areas are you specifically talking about apart from Paradise? Garibaldi Springs. Um, yeah. Right now, it's uh, a, a golf course, and whether or not you agree with the uh, rezoning of it and the amendment to our OCP bylaw, uh, we are moving from greens, and yes, I realize that they are dead space and don't do a lot for the, the land, um, but now we're going to have runoff from the roadways. We're going to have runoffs from uh, vehicles coming in. You're going to have oil leaking. You're going to have uh, fertilizers and salt and ice melt from the strata developments that are now going on to delicate uh, riparian areas and critical habitat that is home to, I think, four plus, I apologize, uh, endangered species. I attended the uh, council meetings and the public hearing, and the idea was to infill some ponds that were uh, deemed to be dead ponds, um, but we're still going to have runoffs from the roadways uh, that are going to go in there. So we need to uh, create uh, swales and uh, rain gardens that can capture that runoff from the strata roads and uh, filter it and put it back. I, li- I like running to candidates that sort of give me a, a perspective that's a little bit different uh, than than what the, your typical topics are. Usually, the typical topics are, are LNG and gas, and mm-hmm. how do we get houses and business in here? But like, once we have these developments in here, how are we taking care of it afterwards? Right. So, I mean, kudos on you for for bringing that up because that's just something that didn't actually occur to me. 
And and what do you think though about the about the Garibaldi Springs? I mean, we do have an OCP, and yet Garibaldi Springs seems to not fit what we sort of laid out in the OCP. Would you sort of feel the same way? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's designated as a Greenway corridor, or was uh, in our OCP, and uh, it came before council on two occasions for and went through the public hearing process on two occasions, and two weeks ago it went through third reading to a 4-3 vote, and I believe that the process was flawed in that process. It should have waited for the new council to make decisions on because the incoming council were going to need to address the issues that have come up and, and were put off to, you can deal with it during the development process. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. As you said before, a lot of the space he said is is not recoverable, it's dead, so might as well put some buildings on it. That would be the argument for, I guess. Yes, absolutely, but the greens are much narrower than the development, so there are some green space that is going to be affected. Uh, trees removed, um, trees are very important in capturing rainwater, right? The, they land on the, on the branches of the trees and they evaporate rather than going into the ground. It concerns me, and, and I think we disrespected the people that participated in the OCP, by amending it so so quickly. This proposal was in place for, or proposed for over two years, and if it was going to be moving forward, then it shouldn't have been included in the OCP. We should have rezoned it at that time. I agree. So anything else I'm missing, Mike? Anything else I didn't cover that you wanna, you wanna throw out there? I think we need to, with the infrastructure, and I believe it's in the, in the plan, uh, look at uh, a community arts building as well. Yeah, the arts is uh, the, the the Brackendale Art Gallery. That's, yes, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah. As a property guy, um, it, what would you think the cost would be to bring it up to code? <laughs> <laughs> may have to rebuild it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's money. Yeah, that's, it's 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 a unique <laughs> building, and and I I've enjoyed uh, nights there as well, and I know that it has a, a great following, but I don't think it would be wise for us to to take that on um, at the current. Yeah, I think getting the community involved in sort of getting like a community-funded uh, sort of program in there, I think would be the best. And and we have a very strong arts community. I yeah. think if they're mobilized and get the art council behind it, and I think it's the, we can we can make do until until we have our, our other infrastructure issues. I don't want to say make do. I don't want arts to be last. No, nope. you know, arts are, arts are very important. Uh, but in the scheme of things, um, it's, it, I'm, we're still very fortunate to have a place like the bag and these community hubs. I mean, it's all about building these community hubs. Absolutely. Um, especially with the, the amount of development we have and a bunch of people that keep moving here, it's good to get involved within the community and sort of build community. And again, we come back full circle about creating right. jobs for people to stay within the community. Exactly. Everything's uh, all intertwined. It's about not being a bedroom one, bedroom yeah. community. It's about being self-sustained sort of hub of of, uh, of Squamisholians or Squamishites. I don't remember how it works. Which one are we again? The correct term for someone, uh, a resident of Squamish. Squamishites? Squamishites. I don't know, that's just weird. <laughs> Viral, hashtag Squamishites. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me on my website. Uh, I like Mike for uh, Squamish.ca. By email, Mike at I like Mike for Squamish.ca or give me a call, 604-815-3939. Perfect. Thank you for doing this, Mike. Thank you. Cheers. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on 